Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, if you are new, my name is David, and I want to welcome you to Redeemer. I'm the pastor here, and uh, so glad that you guys have joined us this morning. Um, I know a lot of us are back after holiday break. I know some of us are still getting back. Uh, Pearland doesn't go back till Wednesday, right? I know I am elated that uh, Alvin ISD goes back tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, I, uh, I hope you guys had a good break. And um, you know what? I, I, I want to uh, just, we have a special treat this morning. I want to introduce uh, the Bishop of the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church and his wife, Mary Lou. This is Bishop Scott Jones and Mary Lou over here. And we're very thankful to have you guys join us this morning. Thank you. Um, I also want to celebrate something as you guys come back from Christmas. Uh, you know, this was actually our third Christmas Eve service as a, as a church. It's good to really celebrate some high moments. And, uh, and so we uh, ran three services, and um, uh, we, we had 515 people show up for worship, and, and, which is just incredible. Um, it is. It's a huge benchmark, and, and just... It's, I, I, it just speaks to what God continues to do here um, through you guys. And so let me also say thank you. Um, I know that so many of you guys very sacrificially served on Christmas Eve to make three services happen. That's not easy to do three services. I know that some of you guys uh, gay served in more than one service. We even had a couple people that did three services. And we cannot do what, uh, what we do without you guys. I just want to say thank you. It makes a difference uh, for us, for the future of this church. It makes an eternal difference. You know, um, there were people that I know came that hadn't darkened the door of a church for decades, and they came and worshiped on Christmas Eve, and really just thankful uh, that we get to be a part of that. It is so cool to be a part of the story of redemption that God is telling through Redeemer Church. Um, this morning, we are going to kick off the new year by doing a series called Slow Your Roll. Slow Your Roll. And this is a series about learning to really live within the biblical rhythms of rest and restoration that I, I really believe, uh, and I'm going to try to convince you guys, can set you free. Um, it, it, it is, our goal is to help you experience rest and restoration in the new year. Does that sound good to any, anybody? Anybody like to be rested and to experience some restoration? I, amen. I know. Um, and, uh, and, and what I want to say is there are some, some God-formed patterns of, of rest and restoration, and, and I truly believe if you'll take these next few weeks and lean in, if you'll listen, if you'll listen to Jesus, if you'll believe Jesus, if you'll put into practice the words of, of what Jesus says, I really do think it'll make a difference, a huge difference in your life, and, um, and I'm not a New Year's, New You type person. I, I'm a Jesus type person, and I, I think this is one of those things where Jesus can make all things new. I'm praying it for myself. I'm praying it for you guys, too. Uh, that, that's what we want. Today's message, we're going to kick it off with one titled, Busy, Sick, and the Anecdote. Uh, we're going to look at a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Uh, if you brought your Bible, you can turn there now and then hold it. It's also on the Bible in the chair in front of you. If you want to grab it, you can find it on page 145. Uh, you can find it on your phone. So, however, you're going to do it, hold on to it because I'm going to establish some things before we get into it a little later in the message, okay? Uh, once you get there, uh, why don't we all go ahead and bow our heads and pray? Lord Jesus, we are so thankful to be here this morning. We're so thankful for 
the incredible gifts that you give us that we get to, to spend this time um, remembering and, and opening up your word this morning and listening and hearing. And I just pray that you would give us hearts that would be soft enough uh, to hear. I pray that you would, you would give us minds that would be engaged enough to, to see. Um, and Lord, I pray that uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts here, Lord, would be or become pleasing in your sight. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. You are a rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Okay, not too long ago, um, I read what was actually the true story of a woman who came to the United States as an exchange student. And she was met uh, by some folks from the university she was going to attend who were going to take her uh, and kind of introduce her to people and then kind of help her acclimate to life in America. And so they took her around for a few weeks, and then they started noticing something strange. She, she introduced herself in a very odd way. Folks uh, would say, hi, my name's David, and she go, would go, hello, I'm busy, like her name was busy. Like, she didn't tell people her name. She just said, I am busy. Uh, why did she do that? Um, uh, well, you guys know why she did that, because when she was meeting people over the course of those first two weeks, everybody was telling her that they were busy. And so what had happened is she had actually mistaken for a traditional American greeting to forego the name part and just tell people, I'm busy, which is incredible, isn't it? Um, that's a true story. It actually happened. And isn't it rather telling uh, that something like that was even possible, right? Um, isn't it a clue to where we are right now as a people in this place? You know, if this woman would have flown into College Station and introduced herself as Howdy, right? Um, yep. You Aggies would be tickled, right? Because you're so ticklish, you Aggies. Um, but here... Uh, she's reading this invisible cultural script that we usually don't see, uh, but it brings something out uh, into the open that's really rather alarming. Are we really that busy that everybody responded to her like that? And the answer is, yeah, most all of us are. That's why she made that mistake. We are that busy. Everyone everywhere is way too busy, and probably you are too busy, too. Are you willing to admit it? Are, you, are we going to do some honest confession here? Uh, you, you know, I think some of us are willing to admit it. I think most of us are willing to admit it. Um, some of us know that there's something wrong, and we're ready to get some help, but we just don't know how to get help or what to do or how to stop being busy. You know, we cry out, Jesus, take the wheel, and then we go plan four more vacations and sign our kids up for two more extracurricular activities, right? Uh, still others of us, and probably this is the category that I'm in, uh, will admit that we are too busy, but we live in uh, what I would call optimistic denial, right? Uh, we'll say and think things like, this is just really a busy season for me, right? It's not. Things will slow down. No, they won't. Um, if I just catch up with my emails, this will get better, and then there's 12,000 more emails to catch up with. Or if the kids could just keep from getting sick one more month, right? We'll be, we'll be okay. We'll make it, right? I'll just figure out then how to squeeze three more hours out of a 24-hour day, right? Does that sound like any of you guys? It sounds like me a lot of times. 
uh, I think it's a sign that we're too busy. Um, there's a book that came out a few years ago called The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness. I love that title, The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness, written by a fellow named Tim Chester. And in it, uh, he offers 12 diagnostic questions, self-diagnostic questions, that you can kind of ask of yourself to just kind of see where you are in the mix of all this. I want to just share some of them with you and take a moment uh, as I ask these questions to think about um, where you are in all this, to honestly think about where you are. One, do you regularly work 30 minutes a day longer than your contracted hours? Right? Some of us are like, um, duh. Like, do I have an option, right? Two, do you regularly check work emails and phone messages at home? Some of us are like, do you mean while we're eating dinner or not while we're eating dinner, right? Number three, has anyone ever said to you, I didn't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are? I appreciate that comment. Sometimes it's also a sign of something else, right? Uh, number four, if tomorrow evening were unexpectedly freed up, would you use it to do work or a household chore, right? And some of us, you're like, uh, are you going to do the work and household chores for me, right? Uh, five, do you often feel tired during the day, or did you find, do you find your neck and shoulders aching, right? And let me add, is the solution to your neck and shoulders and tiredness Mountain Dew, ibuprofen, or Red Bull, right? <laughs> do you pray, number six, do you pray with your children regularly? Do you yourself pray regularly? Here's my hunch. If you guys are like me, and I think a lot of you probably are, too many answers to those questions are ones that we're not super excited about, right, that we'd like to have better. And, um, and I want to be really clear here. Um, the primary problem with your busyness is you. Um, I'm trying to say that nicely. Uh, we all have the primary role in our lives being too busy. There are choices that we are making that result in us being overly busy. There's no doubt about that, okay? However, what I also want to help us see, and, and this is the piece that I think we, a lot of us miss, is that actually we live in a time and in a place that makes us really, really easily have this problem. Our culture is one that lends itself to so many of us having a problem with being busy sick. And, uh, and it's just because the currents of American life right now are so, so fast and furious and busy. And that's a lot of what's making things be what they are today. And uh, just to give, there's so many examples of this, just to give one. Um, this is an article that I ran across uh, from ABC News. Americans overworked, overstressed. And the first line from the article really did a great job summarizing it all. Recent studies have painted a grim picture of the American working world. Longer days, less vacation time, and later retirement. And, and that was all during the good years of the 1990s. Here's what's so fascinating to me about this article. It was written, did you see the date? It was written in 2001, 18 years ago. Uh, and, and it is saying that 18 years ago, this was before smartphones were a thing. People were too busy, right? Um, people were overworked and overstressed. And let me assure you that when you look at some of the data for what's happening right now, uh, it is not simpler and less busy and less stressed than it was um, 
in 2001, much less the 90s, right? Um, I would love to see the days of Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer come back when it came to busyness, right? I, I mean, it's just incredible. All the studies say we are going ragged and we're losing our minds. Another thing that has really happened here, and this is to give a higher level view of history, is that there are some changes in technology that have occurred um, within the last uh, century uh, and, and a lot more so within the last two decades that have really contributed to the way that we're living life and experiencing life that is vastly different than the way uh, human beings have lived life for a very, very long period of time. Technology is one of the things that's making us a lot busier. Think about this. Before there were things like plumbing, automobiles, when electricity was a flicker in Benjamin Franklin's eye, the reality is rhythm, the rhythms of life were just a lot slower paced, right? It was dark when you blew the candles out or you turned the oil lamp off, right? When the weather got cold, uh, you went inside or in Texas before there was a thing called AC, uh, life was miserable. Um, somehow Texans still loved Texas at that point in time, but um, that's, maybe that's only funny to me. Um, once uh, the crops were harvested, right, you waited until it was time to, to do that again, right? Things were different, but now, right, think about this. Electricity means that lights are on all hours of the day. Big cities never sleep, right? Walmart will service you 24-7. We don't grow our own corn or bleed out our own chickens. We purchase Fuji apples from China at 99 cents a pound, and our T-bone steaks are pre-cut, pre-packaged, and ready for the grill. Praise the Lord, right? Um, and what is so fascinating, uh, if you look at this, is many of the projections uh, dating back decades, even a century, that, that kind of looked and said, technology is going to change our life. It's going to free up a whole bunch of time. Do, do you realize that what they said is that we are going to have tremendous amounts of leisure? That was what people thought was going to happen. Uh, there, there are writings that say 21st century Americans would only have to work 10 to 15 hours a day. I saw one from the 1930s that said we would have to work three hours a day and that we would get, get to live in this like golden era of leisure where we'd frolic in parks right, and do whatever we wanted. Um, what we did not foresee or what was not foreseen is how increases in opportunity through technology would actually create the opposite result. Increased opportunity was leveraged in a different way in our time. And today, because now we can do so much, we do do so much. Today, because our lives have expanded boundaries and limits, we fill our lives with so much more, everything, anything, and we've snuffed out margin, and we've gotten rid of this wonderful thing called boredom, and the result has been what? Americans... Uh, are overworked and overstressed, stressed, right? And, and I think we've got to, to, to realize what our hearts and our stress is telling us. There is a problem here. We are a people in a place with a busy sickness, and we need some help. Is there help? Is there help? So last year, about this time of year, I was, I was pretty sick. I had this, this chest thing going on, I was coughing uh, way too much. I see somebody nodding their head because they remember that every morning 
Um, I had uh, green love come out of my lungs that I'd have to get rid of. I felt really bad, but I kept figuring, I'm going to kick this, right? I'm going to power through. I'm going to make this happen. And, uh, and it wasn't happening. People kept telling me, David, have you seen a doctor? <laughs> David, maybe you should go get some medicine, said Shannon a hundred million times. And, uh, and, and so also did every single staff person here at this church. And, uh, and even at our Pearland campus, uh, a lady there named, a uh, wonderful lady named Norma, uh, got me in my office, brought in a cup of tea, uh, and said, you are not moving until you drink this tea right now. And I finally started getting the message. Uh, after five months, I admitted that this wasn't going to self-correct, and I did something that many of us hate doing. I went and saw a doctor. Um, and, and guess what happened? It helped. Um, I got better. The doctor told me I had bronchitis, and she gave me a steroid and some allergy medicine, and over the course of the next month, I got better, and it was amazing. My lungs cleared. I could breathe in and breathe out fully and not feel bad. Uh, I had more energy. It, it was wonderful, and I thought to myself, oh, yeah, David, that's why you go see a doctor, right? They really can make life better. I don't have to live like this. Uh, here's what I want to say to you. If we are sick with busyness, do you think there is a doctor we can go to see? Do you think there's a doctor who really knows us and knows exactly what we need and would have some sort of medicine for the sickness of busyness that we have? And obviously, friends, there is. The God who knows us, the one that many call the great physician who the Bible promises in Psalm 103, who will forgive all our iniquity and heal all our diseases, both are which are part of this busy sickness. Uh, we might have neglected to go see God about how to get better for a long time, but God offers us an anecdote, a medicine perfectly designed for our human condition. And you all know what it is? Many of you do. It's called Sabbath. The Sabbath. Sabbath. This morning, um, we're going to talk about the Sabbath, because I think today, in our modern era, we've forgotten about the Sabbath. We have not understood why God gave it to us. We have not remembered that God said, keep it holy, and gave it to us as a precedent from the beginning of time for life. Today, I don't think we understand how the Sabbath is a medicine that can heal our busy sickness. And because of our neglect, we've lost the God-given rhythms of worship and rest, which lead us to the restoration that so many of us so deeply need. And so today we're going to talk about the Sabbath. And I, I, I am not going to get into all of the biblical teaching on Sabbath. There is tons of it. We're going to look at one passage, that one from the book of Deuteronomy that I mentioned, that I really think will be helpful and will let you see something you may not have seen, especially if you're familiar with the Sabbath before in a way that, that can make a difference. So if you've if you got your Bible, turn there now. Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. I'm going to go ahead and read. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, 
your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, first thing I want you all uh, to see, the way the Sabbath is defined. What is the Sabbath? How does Deuteronomy talk about the Sabbath? This is how I would summarize it. Um, The Sabbath is about ceasing from work and experiencing rest. The Sabbath is, is a time where we cease from work and we experience rest. Literally, the word Sabbath means to cease. Uh, And here God is very clear about what we are ceasing from. Work, no work, stop working. The Sabbath is about not working. Verse 14, on it, the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. Uh, And that's the general idea. That's the general concept. You don't do any work on the Sabbath. And then what happens is we are given some details about what that looks like. Neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Right? So so, uh, you can kind of tell it was written in an in an agriculturalist culture because those details would be very different uh, if it was written for us today. But that general concept is still really clear. The Sabbath is, is a ceasing from work. You shall not do any work, right? Uh, notice also how it ends. It's not just about no work. Um, it's also about rest, right? So that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So you are supposed to rest. And everybody around you uh, is supposed to be able to rest too, right? Um, And that's not just with a ceasing of work. That's not all of it. It's about experiencing rest. The goal of the Sabbath is twofold, to to cease work and to therefore experience rest, right? Um, Second thing I want you to see about this passage. We practice the Sabbath to resist self-made slavery. Yeah, that's right. We practice the Sabbath to resist self-made slavery. Here's the thing that I think really ties into a lot else we've been talking about. Um, After giving us the form and the detail of Sabbath here in, in the book of Deuteronomy, what is the thing that God connects to as the reason for the Sabbath? The why for the what of the Sabbath. It's the Israelites' slavery in Egypt. That's the first thing that is talked about. Uh, because when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, they had no ceasing from their labor. They did not have autonomy. They weren't allowed to take a day off. They didn't have leisure time. They simply survived. And the book of Exodus actually describes their life during that time as being misery suffering. It says they, they had bitter, hard service, right? And, and so what God is saying is, is practice the Sabbath because don't you remember what it was like when you were slaves in Egypt, right? This, this is what he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you now to observe the, the, the Sabbath. And what's so interesting to me is that these Israelites um, are, are at this point standing 
um, about to enter into the promised land. They're not entering back into slavery. They are a free people who are going to remain free or are going to enter into a phase of life which is going to be wonderful, but it's like a warning that God is giving him. Uh, Remember Egypt, remember what that was like, because if you don't, you can easily create a self-made slavery when you enter back into this land, even as you are free. Practicing the Sabbath is a way to resist a self-made slavery. And when you think about our busy sickness today, doesn't that, doesn't that make you think? Doesn't that actually make a lot of sense, right? How many of us uh, just feel like, man, I, can, I just got to figure out how to get through this. Just got to go on forever. We are free, but we feel this pressure to, to perform, to always produce, to be getting better and better. And so we work harder and harder. We work longer and longer. We just get more and more done. And what happens is that somehow we live under this temptation that we have to always perform, and that of the things we're involved in, we are somehow indispensable to them. And so uh, a lot of us are tempted to stay in the middle of everything all the time. We don't turn off our phones and stop checking our emails. We are always um, on until we discover that we don't know how to turn it off anymore, right? And, and, And I say that as an admission as a confession. I'm there as much as anybody else. And what I think that this scripture has really helped me see is that this, the Sabbath is really given as a resistance to all of this. It's a medicine to that. It's God's anecdote to busy sickness, which is really a form in so many ways uh, of a self-made slavery. When we practice Sabbath, what we're doing is we're embracing our limits. We let go of this illusion that we can run the world and that we are needed for everything. We don't live under the tyranny of a to-do list. We accept the fact that we're never going to finish it all, and that's okay. Uh, when we practice the Sabbath, because we say, God, you are on the throne and in charge of this world and my life as you have always been, as you really are. And practicing Sabbath is, is a weekly way for us to say, God, you are God and, and I am not. So be God and let me be uh, who I am, right? Uh, y'all, we need the Sabbath because without it, we're going to choose a self-made slavery, I am reminded here of the words uh, from the book of Galatians, from Paul, Galatians 5.1, which says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Right? Third thing, practicing the Sabbath is a commandment. It's a commandment. Notice what the scripture says here. Notice the word choice. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. (laughs) Okay, notice this is not observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has suggested to you. It is not observe the Sabbath day as the Lord thinks is a pretty good idea for you, but it's still your choice, right? It is not observe, it's not even observe the Sabbath day as God instructs you. It's stronger than that, right? It is observe the Sabbath day as God commanded you, okay? That's strong language. Have we forgotten that it was so strong? Notice uh, also that as the Lord your God has commanded you is actually in past tense. 
Because um, God has actually said this before to the Israelites when he first gave them the Ten Commandments when they left Egypt, right? This is one of the commandments, Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And you know, think about it, thinking about this as a commandment, like, it, it was, commandments were never given as things that were uh, debatable or things that we have a conversation about, right? It wasn't like God said, uh, you know, it's probably a good idea that you don't have a graven image, right? Like maybe a little idolatry is okay. Nobody ever said to God, uh, I'm going to be okay with a little bit of stealing and maybe I'll get away with murder thing once, right? Like it's in the same category as all those other commandments. And I think we need to see it there um, because these commandments are given for our good and the good of the world. They are guardrails for a healthy, consistent life for you and everyone else around you. To not obey them is to invite things to go horribly wrong in your life. And it, it, if you keep my commandments, uh, God says in the book of Deuteronomy, things will go well with you. And, and I think we just need to, again, hear this Sabbath commandment as it really is, and that is as a commandment, okay? Last thing, the Sabbath is for God. The Sabbath is for God. That isn't to say, okay, like I've been saying all along, the Sabbath is a gift to us. Uh, there is a ceasing of work for us. There is an, an experiencing of rest for us. In fact, I, I'm trying to tell you as strong as I, I can, you need to practice the Sabbath for your own good. I think we all do. I know that I, I do. But I, I also don't want you to miss the Bible's teaching on this. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. This day is set apart as whose day? The Lord's day. It is a day dedicated to God. The Sabbath is set apart for the Lord, your God, not the Lord, you. Okay? The Sabbath honors God by being set apart for God, who is the Lord, that's why that, that language is used, who is the Lord of our lives. And so while we experience rest and restoration as, as, as part of practicing the Sabbath, I don't think that we're supposed to understand it as just a free day. Um, God doesn't say the seventh day is your day, do with it whatever you wish, right? Um, God doesn't say uh, the seventh day is your day, get those chores done you've been waiting for forever to do, um, we set apart God as, as Lord of our lives in our hearts on this day. And, and so I want to be clear, I actually do think that a part of practicing Sabbath, and I have biblical reasons for this, most every single Sunday includes being a part of a church and worshiping. Because by showing up heart, mind, and soul, we give this day to God because the Sabbath is for God. Okay? Uh, there is so much more that, um, that the Bible teaches that we need to really look at when it comes to understanding the Sabbath. And I also want to be careful. I certainly don't want you to hear me uh, as being legalistic about this. There is further conversation that, that needs to be had in what the Sabbath looks like for each one of us individually. But I don't think that the problem most of us have here is that we're too legalistic about the Sabbath. I don't think that's the age we live in. I think there's, there's something else going on, and, uh, and, and what I want to do is putting what we learned in Deuteronomy together, I want to give you a biblical, simple, practical definition that you can use for what the Sabbath is, okay? It's this. Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, we enjoy rest, and we worship God. A 24-hour block of time 
in which we don't do any work. We enjoy the great gift of rest and we worship God. We're going to talk about more of how this looks in, in later weeks and some of the ways in which it can happen. Uh, but for now, what I want to tell you is if you look honestly at that definition and you think about how that can happen in your life and you do it, I think what you'll find is that you'll start to heal from busy sickness. I think that the good physician will do work on your life which you will not regret. And, um, and I think things will change for the good. And so here's my challenge to you guys over these next weeks of this series, slow your roll. I want you to slow your roll and practice the Sabbath, okay? Keep calm and practice the Sabbath, right? Make, uh, make a commitment to do this for the next five weeks. And that may mean that you, you uh, need to think about it. You need to plan ahead. Um, uh, if you don't believe me, though, do this for five weeks and tell me things don't change. And, and, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It probably will take a, a bit of work. But uh, what I can tell you is that easy things never work. And, um, and transformation is always hard, but this is going to be worth it. And I really do believe that. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift uh, of these people and the faith that you have put into our, our lives, Lord, the, that we have responded to, that we move towards uh, every day as we call you Lord, and we know that you are the God who loves us. And I just pray, Jesus, that as we think about how we need this, uh, or you awaken us to how much we need this, Lord, that, um, that you would help us by the power of your spirit to, to, to let it come down into our lives that we would talk to people about it, that we would hold ourselves and have others hold us accountable to learning how to, to be uh, living into these, the, the Sabbath, these rhythms of rest and restoration that you give us. Well, Lord, I, I want that for us. I pray that by the powerful name, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.